Oktoberfest, and we're going rogue, baby! Woo! That's right, we're, we're taking a break from all the German and shark stuff, and we're taking this baby off the road, baby, you know? Off the rails. Off the rails, off the road, out of the water. Off the hook. Oh, shit, I like that. My name is Logan Nielsen, and joining me is my co-host and resident uh, brew beer master... I Americanized it. <laughs> Dustin Pixley. Hi, Dustin. Hello, Logan. What's up, man? We're going rogue this week, or this episode, not this week. I'm feeling kind of cool about it. Like. I'm feeling I'm feeling like a real badass yeah. right now. So, as people listening, you can probably tell from the title, uh, we're not watching a shark movie. Uh, we're going to watch Tremors. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But now, the reason why, though, we decided to go with that, it's rogue, but still, it's shark adjacent, because the movie was initially pitched as Land Shark. So but they we're, de- we're still in style. We're still in style, technically. And they decided to change the name of it because of the popular Saturday Night Live sketch. Oh. Because I think the guys who were pitching it around were initially doing it in the 80s. And it was just called Land Shark. And, and I think the whole, I think it was going to be a shark in dirt. <laughs> probably is. Yeah, this probably changed the whole movie to. But then it became Tremors. It and uh, we have a very specific beer that's not an Oktoberfest beer, but. Goes with that theme. What's it called, Dustin? We're doing a land shark. It's called land shark, which I think inspired us to watch Tremors. Honestly, it was. Uh, I don't know which what inspired what. It just uh, happened. Yeah. Well, we saw it in the store and we're like, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I think I'd already had Tremors in my mind of like, oh, that was called land shark. If we wanted to do an adjacent one, and then you sent me a picture of land shark beer, and it was like, oh, that's we, perfect. We sealed the deal with it. Yep. And then this past week, doing Sharknado and Jaws 3D uh, broke us and made us upset. Yeah, I think you could hear the dismay, mm-hmm. the, mm-hmm. I don't know what you want to call it in our voices, but we were we were defeated. Yeah, that was the thing too, like trying to edit those episodes, it's just two guys who don't want to talk about a movie having to talk about a movie. Yeah, we went out of our way really, really hard. But, yeah, yeah. Um, so it was just like, you know what, let's take a break from the the shark awfulness, and I'm actually, I'm excited too to get a break from very malty beers. Yeah, this will be... <laughs> This a little is lighter, be a little, little more refreshing. <laughs> little palate cleanser. There you uh, go. Because uh, I do like the Oktoberfest beers, but I am I'm just I'm just feeling full. Does that make sense? I'm just feeling. I look full. <laughs> well, and especially too with uh, with Oktoberfest beers, it feels like you've just eaten a lot of I don't know, like cookies. Like you've eaten a lot of biscuits. Is kind of how it, it you know, cause that's how it tastes and that's how it feels a little bit. Yeah, right. It's very yeah. biscuity. So it's yeah, biscuity. Yeah. It's biscuity. That's been the word of the week. Is biscuity. It's a good word. What kind of beer is Land Shark? So this one is just a lager. I think it's a very simple. It's really light. Very light lager. Yeah. Island style lager. Oh, thank Christ. 12 fluid ounces. Whew, that close. was close. Because what if we did a different beer and it wasn't <laughs> the correct amount of ounces? Land Shark lager fins up, it says. And then it also says Margaritaville Brewing Company, St. Louis, Missouri. Which we'll we'll get into a little later on that I think. We'll right? get into it later. Well, you yeah. Say, what'd you say now? Why why is it why does it say that? Margaritaville. Yeah. 
Well, it's uh, because Jimmy Buffett has something to do with it. Yeah. And when he sings Wasting Away in Margaritaville, it means uh, sitting in Missouri. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> well, let's crack these open. Okay. Immediately a less exciting opening sound, but... Oh, that was better. That was a better one. Haven't had a bottle in a few episodes. So yeah. A clink test. Ah, there we go. That felt nice. It's that island life. That felt... <laughs> How you feel? Boo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's... um. What I don't like, I'm going to tell everyone earlier, in clear bottles, and that is a giant beer no-no. It's a clear bottle. Yeah, it just tastes like a... I don't know, a, a Michelob, a Michelob Ultra. Yeah, but a little skunky because that clear, bit. clear bottle. Yeah. Well, we've got 12 of these, Dustin, because we bought we bought two six-packs this time because we are actually, after this intro, going to go watch Tremors together. For real? For real. The, that was the original plan when we started the show. It was like, we'll watch the movies together, but then just to get them recorded and done and to still have a life outside of this, we couldn't really do it. But this time we're like, no, let's actually sit down together. Let's drink some beer. Let's take a break from sharks. <laughs> we both which, like Tremors. We so. both love Tremors. It's a great movie, so I'm excited to talk about it. Uh, but uh, before we do that, do you want do you want to talk about Land Shark a little bit, or do you want to save it? Let's save it. Save it. Yeah. Okay. Do it after the break. Yeah. Let's do that. Wow. Really going rogue. So rogue. Holy shit. Okay. I want to throw everyone off balance with this episode. Yeah. I'm gonna play it backwards. Damn. <laughs> You're gonna start up, and it's gonna be that. That could summon a demon, though. God. Hopefully. Demon shark, maybe even. It's gonna be it's gonna be the shark god that's in like Sharknado six or whatever. Yeah, we could be the cause. Oh no. Well see now how does that work? how does that time paradox work if we made Sharknado? Because there's a time twister. Mm, time Twister is a great movie idea, actually. Mm, I'm really liking that. Alright, we'll call up us the asylum. I'm sure they will have it in the works in a week. Because it's a tornado that if you get sucked into it, you get like it, it morphs time. Oh, it's throwing out like dinosaurs and stuff too. Oh yes, I'm actually really into this movie Time Twister. <laughs> At least out of this podcast, we're getting a lot of good movies. I think. Well, I mean, movies. I don't know if they're good. Well, but we're getting. I'm movies. talking movies that we're gonna make. That's true. This is our second pitch already. Yeah. Well, I pitched like five movies last week Did or you? last episode. Remember? I was so drunk. That's true. We got really drunk, and you haven't heard that episode yet. <laughs> no, I remember because it was Serial Shark and Serial Shark and oh, you don't remember at all, huh? No. Inner shark, but it was inner space, but with there's a shark inside you? I do remember that one. Okay. I say, because yeah. I, I pitched like six movies last All right, time. We'll have to get the whiteboard out and uh, put play. them put them in order of importance. Yes. To, yep. <laughs> to write. Well, okay. Well, okay. Well, All right. Shit. We're going to let's go do let's, this for real. Let's actually go watch a movie now. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Woo. Broke into the wrong goddamn rec room, didn't you, you bastard? Well, let me just... I decided to do it. They're twist off. Went with the twist? <laughs> it doesn't... Try, do do the, the bottle opener. opener. It's more satisfying. It does. It absolutely is. Yeah, that noise was just better. I know. I thought I would just see. I thought I'd see. We had to try. Sometimes they do. Sometimes a twist off makes a good noise. Yeah. But... Usually it's better beer. I suppose if you gave it like a little shake, it might be a little better. <laughs> might make a mess. Yeah, but. I should. Yeah, I don't necessarily want to do that when I have my, you know, not expensive, but, you know, decently priced soundboard sitting here. But um, that's Land Shark Lager again. Uh, 
wasting away in Margaritaville <laughs> with, 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 pa- with all the paired heads. Yep. Uh, we just watched Tremors. Dustin, this feels good to say. Yeah. Because we haven't really said it much on this show. Really only truly once. but um, Yeah, truly once. And one it, time we were like... Was better than we thought. But this one, I really get to be like, that's a good movie. Yeah. Oh, I like Tremors. And watching with you, you pointed out a lot of things I never really picked up on. Yeah, because I'm a dork. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're a fucking dork. I'm a fucking dork. But Bully me. You're a good dork. Bully me on podcast. It's my kink. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, Tremors is one that I, I hadn't seen. I, I watched a lot when I was a kid. Tremors was kind of a favorite of mine. Yeah, it's a cult. For me as well. Which now when I think about that too, it's, it, it makes sense as to why I'm a big fan of like Deep Blue Sea. And I even like the movie Alien Resurrection, which is not a good movie. You know what? When I was a kid, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and I think why I liked Alien Resurrection because it's it's just Deep Blue Sea in space. Yeah. Smart aliens. And they even literally, there's a, there's a moment where they're underwater. <laughs> I'll never forget the underwater scene. I know. And then at least the latter scene. Yes. Dude. Yes. Uh, but the, I, I'm a fan of movies where people are trapped somewhere and slowly get picked off. But it, more so when it's not like a slasher, when it when it is a creature, when it's some sort of right. other being. I like a good slasher movie too. Like, don't get me wrong. I like especially especially everyone's trapped in one place. You know, uh, I have a special place in my heart for '80s slashers. I don't know what it is, but oh, those are, I, I, they're just fun. They're just, yeah, they're they're fun and silly and, and stupid and, and cheap. You you see the cheapness in them, and that gives them so much charm that they it, it felt like oh they had to make this over a weekend is how a lot of them <laughs> <Yeah>. feel <laughs> right. And there's something kind of fun about that of like well let's go make a show you know that's kind of how it feels. No tremors though it's just a it's smart but it's also funny it it takes it it doesn't take itself too seriously which I know that's something we've talked about in the show of like of committing to your premise and what they do in this movie is they really commit to their their premise of like there's underground monsters that are learning and they kill us. Right. There's no like little wink parts. Yeah. But in- instead, there's just a heightened just kind of sense of humor to the movie. Instead, the, the humor comes from the oh, shit. What is this? You know, a year or so ago, uh, there was a the, the YouTube channel Red Letter Media, which I, I recommend. But they did a rewatch of it and kind of talked about the great tricks in that movie. And I hadn't seen it in a while. And I was like, oh, OK, that is actually pretty clever and smart. And so that made me kind of go back and rewatch it and to see how how cleverly this movie actually does set itself up. Yeah, with a new perspective and you kind of yeah. can notice all the the tricks that are in yeah. there. Cuz it was one of those things where I'm like I just knew I just liked it. And then I didn't realize the actual little filmmaking techniques they used to actually make this a really effective movie while not while not feeling too showcasey, you know what I mean? Where it doesn't they're very subtle and it's it's, it's set up yeah. well. They're it's just subtle. They're, they're in there. You don't notice them so much, but they're there. Yeah. And it, it works so well. It's a lot of subconscious things that affect your state of mind throughout the movie. And when those subconscious things help while you're enjoying the humor of the movie, too. And then I actually just... When was the last time you watched this movie? It's been a couple of years. Has it? So this is the first time with your new perspective that I got to view it. Mm-hmm. And I picked up on a lot of that stuff, too. And we discussed it when we watched it. And it's... There, there is there's a ton of awesome little tricks. Yeah. That... They take this $10 million movie, which yeah. we discussed back then. It's a lot of money. In 19, this movie is from 1990. $10 million was a good chunk of money. You know, like we talked, I then looked it up too. And Jaws, the budget they gave it was $4 million, And this is in 75. So that's a lot of money. 
ended up costing nine million, and that's why everyone was mad at Spielberg and <laughs> thought the movie was going to flop and stuff because it went way over budget and way, you know, uh, way past schedule. But then ended up being a massive hit. Tremors sadly was not a big hit. Debuted at number five at the box office, made a total of sixteen million, so it made a profit, which is why over the last thirty years they've made seven of them plus a sci-fi original series, I guess. Um, and the only one they ever got back to come back for all of them was Michael Gross, <laughs> who plays Burt Gummer. Now, I have a theory on him. Yeah. That he is the same guy from Family Ties, but he... Oh, you, oh I mean, because he's the actor from Family Ties. Right, you, think, you Ties. think it's his character I from Family Ties. I think it's his character. He started to get really conspiracy theorist, okay. got a divorce, moved out to the desert. He's way out there. There's no one out there. Interesting. And then he met Reba. Yeah. Yeah. So he went hard too, because in that show, in Family Ties, it was always that the parents were the super liberal ones, and the kids were more like the young Republicans. Yeah, because Michael J. Fox so, and that was very much like kind of like a Reagan youth. I think maybe Fox News got a hold of him. You know, honestly though, yeah, that actually actually holds up with how. <laughs> now, okay, now that we're talking out, that actually makes all the fucking sense in the world. Right. Because as we're seeing now, a lot of baby boomers who used to be fucking hippies are now hardcore, insane right-wingers. Okay, all right, you might have actually connected that dot for me, sir. All right, good. And his fucking, his family just can't talk to him anymore. I had it while we were watching, but I'm like, I'm going to save it. I'm going to save it. <laughs> no, I like it. It actually holds up pretty well now that I think about it. Once I stretched it out, I could really see it. Uh, yeah, I could see that. But yeah, he's he's been in all the movies. All actually. of them. He's kind of the focal point from third one on. Well, because he played, yeah, because him and... Uh, so, uh, Fred Ward show Fred up in the Ward, second movie. They're in the second one. So the first movie is the main characters are Kevin Bacon as Val and Fred Ward as Earl. Yep. And then the secondary characters, Michael Gross plays Bert and Reba is his wife. Yep. Um, and there's a good little cast of characters. But then the second one, Kevin Bacon's gone. It's Fred Ward and Bert Gummer and you know Michael Gross. And then after that, it's all Michael Gross because even. Uh, the fourth one is a prequel that's set in like Western times, and they still bring him back. He's still he's still back as a a, a descendant. Yeah, as as a an ancestor. It's like I think he's like the sheriff in town or something, Sheriff Gummer or something. I've, I haven't seen four. I've seen the first three of them. There are now a total of seven, because uh, they just put out one this year. Because it was one, it, one, two, three happened. I think eh, close-ish in time, maybe. Uh, I'm not sure exactly, but then they they didn't, and then they made four after the the sci-fi series they made, which is only one season, and Michael Gross is in that too. And then they didn't do anything for a while, and then in 2018, or no, 2015, they did uh, the fifth one with Jamie Kennedy. <laughs> I was so glad to see him right. make his way back. Yeah, you know who can save this franchise? <laughs> the, the, the lead of Malibu's Most Wanted. That's that will save this one. Uh, and then they did one another one in 2018, which, which was they play father and son. I did read that. Oh, is he? He's son Gummer. Yep, son of a gum. Huh? Son. Look what you did there. Fist pumps. Yeah, celebrate that. Um, but I noticed in the seventh one, he is not back. Instead, he's replaced by John Heater, uh, who you might know as Napoleon Dynamite. 
And that just came out this year. Um, and it's called like Shrieker Island or some shit like that. And it's apparently some sort of take on most dangerous game, which is about <laughs> hunting man. Very interesting. I don't, I don't know. But Michael Gross is in all of them. They did do, though, I remember seeing the trailer for it. They were trying to reboot the TV series with uh, Kevin Bacon. And they shot the pilot with it. Really? And I remember it. Uh, a trailer for it got released on YouTube, and it was a shit trailer. I couldn't tell. I'm like, is this a real thing they're trying to make? It all, it seemed way too serious, way more serious than the first Tremors movie is. And I know the, the sequels got ridiculous, but the first movie actually has a, a really light tone to it. It's fairly grounded for a movie about a underground worm chasing you. It is. It's, it's grounded, but it's also it just has a, a sense of humor throughout. It doesn't take itself too seriously, which is it was super hard needle to thread like that's actually really tricky to be like our th- our threat which is a monster we're taking seriously but also our characters there's so many genuine great jokes in that movie that's, yeah we, that's we really cracked up a lot a lot and we've seen it enough times yes yeah. and it's still really funny there's still just really great moments in it. and i think it's because the movie is so character centric it's and I, so focused on characters. i think another thing is they're not totally out of place like in the yeah. meg you know what i mean mm-hmm yeah. Does that well, make sense? Yeah, well, because that was a movie that couldn't decide on its tone. Yeah. You know, uh, we've talked about that a lot throughout this month, and it seems to be a very common theme with us. It's a very, well, it's a very common theme. It's a very common, I think, issue when you do a movie like this, where you're trying to make, you know, even even with sharks, even though sharks are real animals, but when you're trying to make a monster movie, it, it's kind of hard because monsters are inherently otherworldly. You know, even... It just if it's something heightened, if it's something big and massive and that doesn't actually exist on this planet, even if it is a shark that is improbable. So already you have a you have a harder a harder job of creating that suspension of disbelief. You know what I mean? Yeah. To get the audience to buy in. And then somehow working a little bit of comedy in at the right moments. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. even the first Jaws has really great jokes in it. Yeah, and again that's they balance it really well with mm-hmm. the timing. Timing is so huge, I think, with uh, putting comedy in those type of oh, movies. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you have to know what scenes to do it in. And that's the problem. I think more and more people who who do that, where they try to work in jokes into their their movie that's largely serious, what it usually they they usually do it to undercut every scene, which actually then takes away from your, the from your, the seriousness of yeah, what we just saw. It 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 cuts your tension in an unsatisfying way where really the tension release should be from the next beat of action, but instead you're, you're undercutting it we're, with your sense of humor. Yeah. We're getting a forced joke that yeah. just doesn't feel right. And it falls flat. And then it's, it's kind of a great example would be in like, um, Marvel does it well. Like guardians of the galaxy did it where when they're starting to have like those serious, what's going to be like a, Oh, movie scene. This is going to be like a story scene. They always undercut it with, you know, like Gamora then pulling a knife on uh, Star-Lord or, you know, Drax not understanding all stuff. And that they do that, though, because those characters are all all those characters have experienced a lot of loss. So they don't really take anything seriously because they're all they're all creatures of of trauma, kind of, right. if you will. Yeah, that's yeah. kind of a deep look at Guardians of the Galaxy. But I like that it's, interpretation it's of it, actually. Um so you can do that, but other movies after that start doing it more and more. Where anytime there's like a serious scene, then the character's gonna be like, "Oh, this is what we're doing," or you know, awkward, you know, that kind of stuff, that kind of bullshit yeah. joke, you know. And again, it's it's just forced. 
mm-hmm. and they don't understand the timing aspect of it. Yeah, but it also doesn't really play off character. Where, like I mentioned in Guardians of the Galaxy, that's all very character focused in how those characters. Right, right. Those we moments. we know that from the start in that in those movies exactly. because that's exactly how they're set up to be. Exactly, and same thing in Tremors. Where the characters oh, immediately we're we're set up with Val's very sarcastic. Val's very sarcastic. Uh, Earl thinks he's more erudite than he really is. Right, right. He thinks he's he fancies himself as kind of the you know the wise one of the town when really him and Val are pretty much on the same level of intelligence. <laughs> you know, it's just a smart way to to build your world and to create your tension when it's more based in how how your characters react to it instead of just what you need to do to beat the monster instead of just an xyz situation instead of building character through their actions you know what i mean right and the, they they keep building throughout and we keep seeing more and more Absolutely. things that the movie even has you know cuz val and and earl have their you know uh arc with each other of how the movie starts with them. They're both always trying to avoid responsibility by playing rock, paper, scissors to get out of doing stuff. Then at the end, they're competing to sacrifice themselves, basically. They start then playing rock, paper, scissors and be like, no, I'm going to do this. I'm I'm faster than you, so I'm going to make the run. Yeah, they have a nice, nice little arc from yeah. running from responsibility to like taking on the ultimate responsibility. Yeah. And, and then how where Earl's always giving him... Uh, given Val shit for not having a plan, and then towards the end, Val's the one who has the fucking plan. You yeah, know what I mean? yeah. The writing's just so it's, it's so good the way things uh, come around. It's just that that setup and well, punchline basically too with our first graboid. Yeah. They're called graboids, by the way. They call them graboids. I do just like to call them tremors sometimes, but they're the graboids. They call them that in yeah. the movie. But um, but there's even little arcs between the side characters. Bert Gummer and the kid Melvin, they have their own arc throughout the movie of where it starts with Bert threatening him. You know, anytime you screw up, he's just like, you know, you came this close. You know, and then later he, you know, the kid's like, give me a gun. And he's like, I wouldn't give you a gun. It was World War III. And then he does give him a gun, but it's not loaded. You got your running, didn't it? You know, but they have their own little game they played throughout. And they're side characters, but they have their own arc together yeah you can feel them in this world they're not just yeah. just side characters they're there yeah they serve a purpose that's what this movie does so so well is that they have this really great ensemble cast of, yeah. of side characters but there's not a lot of wasted time in it there's there's purposes no. for everyone which is so nice everyone yeah everyone's because all the the first deaths are set up basically of people we know in town um it sets. It takes place in a town called Perfection, Nevada. I believe. I believe it's in yeah. Nevada. Yep. But it's Perfection and population fourteen. And then I think I added up. I believe there's fourteen characters in the movie. I haven't looked that deep into it. As, but aside I, from the people, uh, the guys working on the road, right? Because they're not from the town. But I believe. I'm sure the detail in this movie. There's no way they're not gonna. He's counting. And he's he's out of fingers. So we won't know for sure if there's fourteen. Fourteen. There's fourteen. Oh, okay. Yeah. Counted his toe. Sorry, everyone. I got I got up to fourteen. So there's there's Val and Earl. Yep. There's the guy who dies on the power line. Mm-hmm. There's the farmer who gets dragged down, the yes. sheep farmer. There's the doctor and his wife. Yep. Um, there's Bert and Reba. Yep. There's Melvin and Nestor. Yep. His dad. There's Walter. There's Miguel. And then uh mother the, and daughter. the mother and daughter. Yeah. That's fourteen people. Fourteen. And then there's the the guys who end up working on the road later, but they're just they don't live in town. They're road though. workers. They're not from perfection. So population fourteen. 
there's actually <laughs> I'm not surprised. It's a very well written movie. It's well written movie. They pay attention to detail. It senses seismic vibration. It can hear every move we make, especially on this rock. It's a perfect conductor. That means we're stuck. That pisses me off. The smartest thing, and the thing we were talking about, if you watch Tremors again, and you should. If you haven't watched it in a while, you should go watch it. The first maybe hour of the movie or so is really smart in how they use sound because they're setting up the idea that these things are attracted to sound. The smartest thing they do, that every time it goes to another scene, every scene starts with a loud noise where it's either a jackhammer or uh, the generator. Pogo stick. Pogo stick. It always does like a cut and then here you're already getting a sound right away. And if you really pay attention, you can tell the sound has been amped up in that scene because mm-hmm. you hear it right away. Yeah. So that's that's where, again, where we talked, then you kind of told me that, so I paid attention. Yeah. And sure enough, every sound is a little extra loud right away in the scene and then you get to the, the characters. And then as the movie gets going too, as they start discovering the, the graboids and stuff like that, when they start realizing things are fishy... All those transitions, the noise get the noises get a little smaller. They get a little more subtle because now everyone's on edge. But in the beginning, everyone's just you know the movie starts with Val jumping on the truck and scaring Earl and and screaming you know stampede like the movie starts with a scream, which is great too because then that mirrors to the very last scene where he's using the idea of a stampede to kill the graboid, the final one. Now, exactly how many cows are required for a stampede, Earl? I mean, is it like three or more? Is, is there a minimum speed? I wish I'd stampede up your ass. Well, it just suddenly hit me, you know. Stampede. <laughs> yeah, like, again, look, these have arcs and they always come around towards the end. Yeah. And that's what I love. Like, everything kind of wraps up nicely. Yeah, the, the arcs are uh, very, yeah. very well done. So I don't, I don't know. I know we're kind of just getting ahead of it because I think we're assuming everyone has seen Tremors. Um, you should. It's a good movie. Um, there's not a lot for the storyline. I mean, it's pretty simple, you know. These guys, they work in this town. They're handymen, uh, Val and Earl, and they want to get out of town because they're not happy with their lives, just being these kind of... And they do everything. They do sewage. They do trash. They do... I think they were... Repair. They are going to fix a freezer. That's what it was. They were yeah. going to fix a freezer. Uh, I think they were going to lay some flooring. They yeah. mentioned at some point. Yep. So they're kind of just, just whatever you need, handyman. Because it's they're the only town. I think it's like the next closest town is like thirty-eight miles or uh, something like that. They Bixby, said Bixby, I believe. Bixby, yeah, yeah. And I think they said it was a good thirty miles at least. Yeah, they're they're in a valley too. I guess yeah. we should mention. Yeah, they're in a valley, so they're surrounded uh, by mountains. There's only one road basically yep. out one way or the other. Um, and then suddenly there's these big fucking underground creatures and what i love and we we talked about this while we were watching it where when they start speculating where they came from and i love how the movie just doesn't even care about that it's 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 so great where cuz they go i don't know where are these cuz they start throwing out every possible prediction because then Val's just like, I'm betting radioactive monsters. And then someone else is like, oh, Earl says, no, these aren't local boys. These are from outer space. And and then uh, Rhonda, the grad student who's in town studying seismology, she, she says, like, well, there's nothing in the fossil record. These guys must be beyond ancient if they even are from here. And then eventually they just go like, well, it doesn't matter where they're from. Yep. Who cares? <laughs> We're going to die, yeah. so let's not worry Whatever. about that. Let's just fight them. And 
And that's all the movie does to explain it. I'm just like, I don't, these are big fucking monsters. Let's deal with it. It is the best part. I don't care. So gloss over it's it. Because so it doesn't affect the story for me at all. The audience will only care if the movie really cares. Yeah. Or <laughs> if it really I mean? plays to the story. And it's yeah. not going to change the story at all where yeah. they come from. Because I remember they did it in the movie Looper, the Bruce Willis, Joseph Gordon-Levitt movie. And they when those two sit down and... Uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is just like, so like, wait, wouldn't this happen with this? And Bruce Willis said, if we're going to get into time travel, we're going to be here all day talking about it. Which is a great way just to like, I don't want to explain this. Exactly. Move on. It's <laughs> perfect. Just like, listen, yes, time travel just makes a mess of everything. Let's just focus on our character thing we're doing. And that's a smart way for a movie to go, oh, I'm not going to explain this to you. <laughs> oh, it's it's perfect. Perfect way to get out of it because yeah. who wants to fucking write that shit? Mm-hmm. No one does. So I love that. They're just like, oh, whatever. These are monsters. Who gives a shit? Doesn't really matter what they are. And they even then sit around works and uh, Walter Chang, the uh, the store owner, is like, well, we've got to name it something. we got to give it a name. We'll regret not giving it a name. <laughs> he's very adamant that they have a name. And so in the scene, he's like, graboids. I like graboids. And then they kind of stick with that. It's a funny way, too, for the movie to be like, well, we don't know what these are from. This guy called it something. Okay, that's what they are. Here they are. <laughs> They're graboids. They're mystery creatures. And here's their abilities, because the creatures can feel vibrations. So if there's noise above ground, they go to it to hunt it. But the other thing is, too, is they learn. And a smart thing they do in this movie is every action the humans take, the graboids catch on to it. And so there's four total. And so you can't kill them all basically the same way, because each graboid, they always catch on to what yeah, again, what they've done again, to kill the last one. To point to the writing, it's so smart because yeah, instead of just being able to easily kill them, now we've explained a way where, oh, we gotta come up with more clever ways to exactly. kill these guys. So it's yeah, we gotta stay ahead of them. This was this was kind of like, uh, in our Jaws conversation where we we talked about the the sim the simple effectiveness of cause and effect of just like okay, well we did this to a graboid. Okay, well that caused this to happen. Shit, now we need another strategy. Okay, we got another. Because I also like, too, the monsters are very killable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, these are not invincible beasts. It's very easy to hurt them and to harm them, but they're just smart. They catch on to what you've done to the previous one. Yeah, and they have all the advantages, too. Yeah. Just where you can't run on the ground. Exactly. But when you, like, because when they decide to kill one with the stick of dynamite, it works and they blow one up and now it's just like ah shit well the next one didn't fall for it but that first one wasn't like a big ridiculous plan it was just like oh fuck what if we make it eat this bomb yeah (laughs) and then it works i'm gonna go fishing yeah the first one they kill just because they're running and they jump over this uh little kind of concrete like aqueduct or whatever yeah well cul-de-sac's a like neighborhood oh yeah (laughs) i love cul-de-sacs you love them i want to live there one day oh okay interesting you like a little just loop uh, yeah, it's this little like concrete, like aqueduct yeah, trench or aqueduct something. Is, yeah, I don't, it's in the desert, so I don't know. I, that's the best thing I can say is aqueduct, but yeah, there's clearly no water in a it. Concrete ditch. Yeah, just a just a <laughs> just a good hard ditch. Yep, <laughs> that's what it is. In the middle of fucking nowhere. I don't know what the plan was for it, but they jump over it and then it rams into the concrete and kills itself because right. it hits it so. So hard. they're clearly not that hard to kill, which is nice too. Yeah. Yeah, so that's the thing. And then uh, there's another one that attacks, and uh, because his character's name is Val, I keep almost calling him Val Kilmer, but it's Kevin Bacon. 
But I keep I keep almost saying Val Kilmer. I've stopped myself four times now from saying Val Kilmer. Which Val Kilmer is very skinny these days, so I do see, and he has long hair. Uh, well, I'm not like mixing him up, <laughs> but just just it's what usually comes after Val for me when yeah, I say it because of Top Gun. Yeah, because well, I like Val Kilmer. The the because of Top Gun. I was gonna say more because of Tombstone. That was my movie where I became a real Val Kilmer lifer. But that's not Top Gun. Correct. Okay. Good job. Thank They're you. different movies. Thank you. Yeah. You're welcome. Okay. One of the Graboids uh, comes up and grabs uh, Rhonda. It Graboids the uh, Rhonda. But then uh, Kevin Bacon hits it with a pickaxe. And it makes the thing go like, ah! <laughs> Fuck me! And then one of its little mouth tentacles has to reach back and grab it. She's like, yeah, they're just, they are animals. They're they're soft. Yeah. <laughs> you, you can stab them and hurt them. The, when they first find out about them is when... Uh, they back up into like a hillside and they're stuck and they don't know why. And later they find one, one of the mouth tentacle things is wrapped around the axle and they tore it off. So they learn about these things by immediately hurting one. Yeah. So it's good to see that they are mortal. Just from, yeah, from right away. They're just like, oh, these are, this is an animal. Um, But they don't realize that those little snake things are attached to big, large creatures, which was a smart thing for the, uh, the promotional stuff for these movies is that the poster has a big mouth coming up and kind of in the Jaws way too. Right. Yeah. Where it's coming up from beneath they, on the poster. They borrow a lot from Jaws, which is fine because this is a land movie, so <laughs> it's okay. But instead they put the mouth of the... Graboid. Little, well, the, the little tongue mouths instead of right. the... Like, yeah, not the actual beast. creature. And I read that they did that on purpose because they wanted the reveal of the big monster to be a surprise. So they wanted to trick you into thinking that the monster are these little snakes. And then it turns out they're these giant slug things with horn mouths or whatever. But on the topic of borrowing stuff from Jaws, we were talking about in this movie about how they also borrow some techniques from Jaws. Uh, because there's like scenes too where we see stuff just shake. And like fence posts get knocked over when the tremors are going underneath it. Right. We know they're there, but we don't see our monster. Exactly. Which was kind of like the idea of using the barrels for the shark. You know, they're actually, they kind of show the big slugs sparingly. You know, the first reveal of one is when, uh, I guess, what? oh, it's after the, after they find out like the doctor is dead and stuff like that, which is a great kill because that's when the station wagon gets pulled underneath. Yes, that's that's a really great scene. Yes, my, and you get a you get a look at the snake creatures for that, but you don't see the main. No, I think it's pretty much when they get with the doctor gal. The yeah, I'm trying to think of how that scene, but it's the first time it like one rears up. It was right before they kill the first one. Yeah, that, that's what a great thing too about this movie. They immediately introduce a monster and kill it. Yeah. And you're like, oh, okay. Oh, all right. So <laughs> we can kill these things. And then Ronda right away, she's like, she's like, I think there's three of them. If you look at these seismographs, there's this one and this one. And then Val just goes, we believe you. And that's another moment of the movie being just like, here, I'm, there's three more. Don't worry about how. Just there's three more. Yeah, we get it. Let's go. Just know there is an explanation. We're not going to stress about it too much. No. We don't care. Yeah. So just you know. Get, you guys know there's more. Yeah. These people are going to run. Yeah. So just know we got to. Kill three more of these things. Yeah. The end. Hey, that's all the information I need personally. That's all I need. Yeah. Worked for me. It's a good little trick when you run by it like that. Yeah. But no, there was other little Jaws things about like at the end when 
when Kevin Bacon's about to kill it, it like I pointed out how it does the the vertigo, vertigo effect. Yep. When he's waiting for it, it kind of does that. And I was like, oh shit! I'm like, this movie does have some kind of Jaws things, but the thing that sets it aside because we mentioned this in I think in the last episode we talked about it this week in one of the episodes they kind of blur together we recorded them at the same time and got drunk uh, so I don't remember <laughs> what's in what necessarily but how every movie every shark movie after Jaws can't help but like have direct references to Jaws kind of like in Sharknado where it's like you're gonna need a bigger chopper you know, or there's there's always there's always shit like that. Right. There's, there's something. There's always these direct references to Jaws. This movie though goes the other way. Instead of directly referencing it, instead it uses techniques from Jaws. So it uses that the idea of like the barrels. Which how, is genius. Because that's, that's the, what makes Jaws a great movie. Exactly. It's not the references or the little quotes. It's uh it's how it was made. Yeah. So even though these technically aren't sharks. Because they're big slug things. The movie was pitched, though, initially as land sharks. Right. I think, sadly, this is the next good shark movie. Yeah. <laughs> Even though there's no actual sharks in it. Yeah. Right? That's how it feels. Like, it It feels like a good... It feels like a good... Yeah. And like, it's, it's kind of like Amity. It's a small town, an interesting cast of characters. You just kind of get to know them from them all interacting together around each other. Yeah, they drop subtle hints about... The kind of people they are. Yeah. And you, you learn about them and you kind of get a feel for them. And well, it does a really great job, too, of doing that that initial setup of just everyone's at the convenience store and you just get a taste of who everyone is. Yeah. Nothing quick, quick little dialogue and yeah. you kind of know, okay. But nothing's heavy this is handed. How you are. But you just get a sense of like, oh, okay, so Bert and his wife are, are doomsday preppers. Yeah. Basically. Uh, oh, we know there's a, another grad student in town. We know these two want to get out of town here. We know it's you just get these little hints. It's just uh, it's a real nice, subtle way of building the world. And then, like we talked about too, there's always, even though it's a nice, quiet town in the middle of nowhere, there's always noise. They always have noise going. The you know the soda machine that squeals when it turns on. Uh, like we mentioned, the pogo stick. Uh, just every scene starts with some sort of you know just real world kind of you know diegetic noise happening of just like this is in the world and you don't really realize they're creating this idea of like well there's just noise this is how they're being tracked and then once they find out about it now then the game of how can we stay quiet starts and then noise starts making you anxious yeah noise is now the enemy have you, did you ever see um quiet place quiet place did you see that i did that's a good movie i think i it depends how you watch it if you turn the brain off it's good right if you're watching too hard, which I kind of was, right, it kind of took me out of it. Strained your eyes. You were looking too close. Yeah, way up close to the TV. Well, no, I was more just seeing things that just don't. No, oh, there's there's definitely some dumb shit in that movie. Like when the, he's... the plot holes are just like gaping for me. I don't know if they're necessarily plot holes. To me, that's a movie that they flirt with the idea of trying to explain it and stuff, but then don't even want to do the game of of like Tremors does of dismissing it. Because at one point he's like in his basement and there's like a white bar off the side of like weaknesses, question mark, where'd they come from? And stuff like, just don't, I wouldn't have thought about those questions if you didn't raise them in this very obvious insert shot. Um, but that movie, I think, though, does use his sound very effectively. Yeah. Because I remember for, I, for that, it does. Yeah, for that effect. Yeah. Because I watched it, I watched it with my mom and we, were, we decided to watch it together. And when I was home from Chicago for a little bit, are you sure it was The Quiet Place? Yeah. Or was it the semi-quiet place? Oh, because from... she bought the ripoff? <laughs> <laughs> she bought the Asylum Classic? 
a, a, a quaint joint, uh, <laughs> a, a, a silent location is what she yeah. bought. Uh, no, it, it was. I checked. Okay. okay. John Krasinski was in it and everything. All right, cool. That movie, though, does create a fun game of where noise becomes a stressful element to the point to where kind of late in the movie it got it was really actually quiet moment in the movie and i was doing laundry in the back bathroom and you can hear it when it switches on and so i heard the washer go like drain and like and turn on and i actually got tense for one like oh no and then i was like wait that's here and there's no monsters i'm fine i'm okay you know yeah no no i hear you saying that effect yes they use that very very well to create tense moments Mm -hmm. and tremors does it decently i mean it's well, Tremor just calls it out more. Yeah. Because it's not so much they have to hide all the time because if you're on stuff. But the game they play where at first they're like inside the convenience store being like, yeah. well, what are we going to do get out of here? And yeah, then they realize, safe oh. safe inside. And then, and then it crashes before and they're like, oh, no, fuck, we have to be high up. <laughs> and then it escalates further. And then again. Because they learn. That's a really smart way to write a screenplay of just like, okay, now the heroes have done this. Now how can I fuck that up? It, yeah. It's. It was one of the the best writing tips I ever saw was actually the writers of South Park, Trey Parker and Matt Stone. It's a video. I don't know if you can still find it on YouTube. They, it ta- gets taken down sometimes and then comes back. Excuse me. But they they dropped into like an NYU class and talked about story writing. And they said one of the simplest things when you write out your story beats, between each beat, what they do is they're go- they always make sure they put the word but or therefore in it. Okay. Because if you just say, like, this happens, then this happens, then this happens, you don't really have cause and effect. But right. if you have this happens, therefore, this, this happens. This has to happen. Yep. But this happens, you're immediately creating a game of cause and effect. Okay. So immediately each scene will have tension with the following scene. That's because super clever, yeah. Th- and so that's always stuck with me of just like, but and therefore are actually really powerful, simple words. Uh, it gets rid of the and then, and then, yeah. and then, and says, so well, therefore, this caused this. All the lazy writing we've seen, that makes a lot of sense know, now right? to where you can like actually make a story out of... It, it can be simple, too. Tremors yeah. is simple. Jaws is simple. Yeah. But they're very effective stories. Exactly. It's what we talked about in the first episode where... It's just the first, you know, Jaws is just, there's a big fucking shark. Oh, no. Yeah. There's a shark, you know, and Tremors 2 is basically, oh, no, there's monsters. But within that, there's all these, like you said, there's these cause and effects. Yeah. That just create an actual story. Your your tension can come from just how each moment leads to the next moment. That's yeah. where you can create tension from that. It doesn't have to be, everyone thinks good movies come from big speeches or spectacle and stuff. There's really not much spectacle in Tremors or even Jaws, really, aside from, you know, the shark jumping on the boat and shit. That's the biggest thing at the very end, too. But otherwise, a lot of it are characters dealing with what's happening and their decisions affecting the next scene. You know what I mean? And same thing with Tremors. Yeah, they're almost both just character movies. They're absolutely character movies yeah. of just here's who these people are, here's how they're living yeah. with this situation. You get to know them in both movies. Mm-hmm. And then you see them progress and, yeah. and the way they interact. Yeah, it's yeah, the, yeah, for sure. It's the oh. same thing to kind of repeat what we talked about in in the first episode, too, about like Mad Max Fury Road. The story of that movie, let's go this way, let's turn around. That's the plot of Mad Max Fury Road. Drive one way, then drive the other. But each moment, that movie is so particular about its cause and effect of uh, this happens. Well, therefore, this happens. 
and then you know, yeah. but this happens, therefore this happens. No, absolutely, it's yeah, it's, it's and that, that and that movie too is pretty cagey about its characters. Like the characters all play themselves, you know, their cards really close to their chest because they're all really untrusting and all. Yeah, know, they kind of have their own agendas. And they're, and they're, well, they're also all very stoic too, especially you know, Mad Max. Like oh, he right. doesn't he speak that doesn't much. have any dialogue. But. So, but instead, you learn about him through his actions than what he says and how he necessarily interacts with the other characters. About what he does more and more as the movie goes. And that's when you know you can make a good movie. Yeah, and absolutely. Kind of, kind of like Mandalorian, we've been watching. Yes, you know, very little dialogue, no expressions. He has a mask on, but yeah. you feel. Mm-hmm. The emotions and through his actions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You feel yeah. through his actions. Well, and then uh, the, him not having like an actual face and it just being a helmet too. That's where, uh, that's a, an interesting editing technique. It's called the Kulshav effect. Okay. Um, it was a, a Russian filmmaker. This is like in the early 1900s, but he's he started playing with the idea of how shots relate to each other. And so he, what he did is he he took footage of a man who just had a, a blank face, and he first though he. One, he showed the face, and then he showed like a sandwich, and then showed the face, and so audiences made it think he was hungry. Right. Then they did one where they showed his face, showed like a dead person, and then showed his face. They're like, "Oh, he's, he's sad. sad." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they showed his face, and they showed something else, like, "Oh, he's smiling. He's laughing at it." But it was it's just, just a face. It was the same shot over and over again. Yeah. But when you, the way shots actually relate to each other creates a different idea in your mind. It creates an emotional. An intellectual effect that is subconscious that you don't even realize is happening. I love that. I love the techniques, the ones yeah. we, you know that we've discussed. I also we never mentioned. I went to film school, so that's why I have. <laughs> we've never actually said that. I don't think in the show. I didn't, so I oh. just go along and I say that's cool, man. No, but you I got, love that. No, you got a good movie eye too. Uh, I just I spend my free time watching film essays on YouTube and stuff. I, I like Logan I is a like, student of the film. I I try to be. I try yeah. my best to be. I, I like to I like to really pick at why. Like, well, oh, this movie you, doesn't work for me. Why? This movie does work for me. Why? You give me a lot of good perspectives. Well thank you. And like I said, we watched Tremors today. Yeah. You know, you threw out the stuff you told me and mm-hmm. sure enough I picked up on it and it really escalated the movie a little bit to a new level yeah. for me. Yeah. Well that's good. A little better appreciation. Yeah. Well I like I like hearing that. Confuses that cannon fuse they all use before a cannon well i appreciate you saying that about me expanding your film perspective but you've definitely uh, expanded my my beer perspective in this uh because i feel like i'm my palate knowledge has been expanded because i know i know why things taste the way they taste now i never knew that really before about beer i just knew Beer, beer. Good? I just knew beer equals good. I yeah, <laughs> I didn't really know the why. Well, then I'm really happy I could help you with that. Yeah, because that is my passion. Well, yeah, it is. As you know. Yeah, yeah. For a long time, I've, it has been yeah, for a long time. Very long time. So um, you've also expanded my knowledge about uh, your research into breweries themselves, which I believe you have some about our beer we did this episode, Land Shark. We were gonna get to it. Yeah, I don't really have anything written down. This is a rogue episode. This is a rogue episode, but you said you had some. That you want to talk about, that you were cagey about in the beginning, that I tried to set you up for. So now, if you're going to back out on me now, you need a little liquid courage, though. You should probably open that. Okay. Mm. Well, but what's the thing we brought up, though, about Margaritaville? I mean, me and me and my bro at work, we just did a really quick yeah. research on Landshark. Mm-hmm. And, again, the Margaritaville thing kind of got us. Yeah. We're like, what the fuck is that? So, as we said. Yeah, it, G- says, it says at the bottom, Margaritaville Brewing Co. Right. Which is Jimmy Buffett, mm-hmm. as everyone knows. He's got his hands in like it seems like everything now. I heard he's building condos in Florida. 
Wouldn't be surprised. He has restaurants. He's got we know restaurants. That. He he had a a year or two ago uh, a Broadway musical debut based on his music. That's absolutely true. That's disgusting. But okay. <laughs> oh, the thing it's, that- I gotta say, it's a fucking mellow musical. Oh yeah. <laughs> no tension in that one. There's hardly a story. It's just everyone just enjoying just beach a, just beach a, drinks. Yeah. Uh, a bunch of parrot heads. Yep. <laughs> and that's what his fans are called. We looked that up, too. They are called parrot heads, yeah. Yeah, which is... I know a couple parrot heads. Are you? I'm not one. I, okay. I know the one song of his and couldn't... If you put a gun to my head and said, name another Jimmy Buffett song, I'd say, pull the trigger, you fucking coward. That's all I would say back. <laughs> Do it, you pussy. And then they'd be like, you nailed it. That's a song of his. And I'd be like, what? No. Probably, yeah, I wouldn't doubt it. He's like a couple of just death metal. He's probably. I was gonna say he's probably <laughs> dabbled in death metal. <laughs> um, so we we pointed out earlier that uh, Margaritaville was in St. Louis, Missouri. Yeah, Missouri. Well, that's where Anheuser Busch is. So yes, that's so who, they are that, they're owned by Anheuser Busch. Yeah, but, but he takes credit. I don't I don't understand how that works. Maybe there's a portion going to each. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I didn't want to look too deep into Land Shark. Okay. I just didn't. Then why didn't you just say it at the beginning when I teed you up for it? Well, I thought uh, we were going to bring up the website and make fun of the facts they put oh, up. Oh, should I do that? Yeah. I, I love how these websites need to make sure you're 21 to look at pictures of beer. Yeah, um, I've clicked no before. It just redirects you. It does, yeah. So who, who who's going to be like, well, fuck me. I'm only 20, so I won't be looking at this beer today. I think I'm going to give you... It, this one asks for my actual birth date, too, which I did not give them. I gave them a fake one, but... Stick it to the man. And it let me in right away. So guess what? All you teens, all you have to do. <laughs> That's all you do when you have to buy beer too as well, teens, if you're listening. Yeah. You just give them a fake birthday. Yeah. It works. But just especially for this, just enter anything before nineteen ninety nine. Yes. That's 21 years ago. Is 1999. Stop. Yeah, deal with that. No, Dustin, I had a realization last year when I started substitute teaching and realizing that all the kids in high school were born after 9-11. Because even if you're 18, last year they would have, yeah, right? <laughs> no, bro, I subbed for first graders the other day, so they're all like six years old. Uh, one of the kids had me a form they had to hand in. Their birth date was in 2014. Stop it. 2014, Dustin. Well, we were talking before this. The new thing going around is how uh, 1990 is as close as uh, 2050 now. Right? Because that's 30 years. That blows my mind. Right? So this movie... It was made in 1990. It's 30 years ago. 30? Yeah. Fucking years ago. Oh, and the thing, I I told you this before, and this, this was a meme that was going around, but uh, the Smashing Pumpkins song, 1979, came out in like 92, I think. Uh, so that would be the equivalent to now a movie, a song coming out uh, called 2005. That's when I graduated. <laughs> yeah, it is, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Is there like a little facts thing on there i'm looking for it it's got a whole thing just for margaritaville i'm sure that's probably it. hey welcome to the margaritaville state of mind uh it says our beer and then it just brings up here read our story because it just brings up all the different cases of land <laughs> yeah because there's no variety <laughs> here's just, all the different sizes you can it's get it's just this one corona ripoff that's all we have we've got our roots in one of the world's greatest places to party <laughs> Where the sun is always shining, the tide is just right, and the land shark flows freely. As Margaritaville's first official brew, Land Shark Lager is the only beer 
worth wasting away with. That's Which you will be have. doing because you're probably 75 if you're at Margaritaville. <laughs> I ate at a Margaritaville once. It was in a. It was in the airport in Jamaica. <laughs> <laughs> An airport. It was the only. It was the only good option they had near the gate, so we went to a Margaritaville. So I've I've eaten it. I remember the food being fine. You well, know, at least there's that. It's a tropical TGI Fridays, you know. Basically, <laughs> it is too. It's essentially what it is. Well, that's all the information about Land Shark. Then sorry we teased it so hard, but <laughs> yeah, sorry. That's okay. Sorry um, about that. Sorry. Well, we can uh, we can get close to wrapping up here. This one we kind of we're on a good. Even though we're off the rails, this is actually the most on a rail we've been. I pretty I close. Feel like. I do have one surprise I want to gift to you. Okay. Will you bring up YouTube on your browser? Oh no. This Will you what, please type that in? This is what I'm typing in. This is a gift from a friend of mine at work, who is not only my brew partner. Okay. Not only my hetero life partner. Jeez. Okay. Saying that right in front of me, huh? Hurtful. Not only my partner in some circles, as I call him. But my good friend Tyler right. gifted me this, and I'm now gifting it to you. Okay, so Erasure, Run to the Sun. Uh, I just... Oh, okay. I'm seeing something hidden. Erasure, Run to the Sun, official HD video. Oh, no. Do you uh, recognize that man? Yes, I do. <laughs> that... <laughs> Oh no, everybody, there's a. Oh no! Oh no. Again, it's it's Statham and his Speedo, but this time he's painted silver. Oh no! I could tell from the. I recognize actually his bad dancing from a distance, though. <laughs> right? <laughs> he did a kick, though, which I appreciated. Yes. He's like, look, I'll do it again, but I'm getting a kick in. Again, it doesn't grab you like no. the shaman does, but. It does still make me just go, why? Yeah. <laughs> why was this Statham's early career? <laughs> I don't know. Why was it doing this? He's glittery, videos? too. I'm not going to lie. I had my suspicions. I'm, you, I'm sure you probably. When you said there was a surprise, and then once you handed me this note, and I could tell it was very clearly a music video, I was like, fuck me. Is this another Statham music video? Well, now I'm wondering how many he's in. I know. If this was like a thing he did for a while, because now I'm wondering if there's a, a I mean, Statham music video MCU here, like if there's a, a cinematic universe of this this greased up boy dancing awkwardly. Uh, well, thank you. How did he find that? He he was trying to Google the shaman, and he found this. And somehow? he came across this one. Yeah. What did you enter? Did you? They just go. Just I think he literally just put Statham music Statham video. Statham music video and found this. That's amazing. Well, thank you for that, Tyler. That's <laughs> <laughs> good lord. I didn't. I didn't think it was gonna happen again. Who I really? Who I had could no, have predicted. I had no way of predicting a second Statham music video. Good lord. Well. All right. Well, you know what? This week's ending on a higher note than it started. I will say that. I will yes. say that. We watched a better movie. We found another Statham music video. Uh, the beer's not as good. No. But I'm okay with that. That's all right. The name just it fit too well with the, what we every, had going on. It everything fell into place for what we needed. This movie I don't think we can officially put in our our like wrap-up review of Best Of since it's technically not a no. shark movie. It's, so this this episode has kind of an asterisk on it. But yeah. uh, We had to go rogue. 
Yeah. We needed a break. Rogue. Much like the shark in Jaws, we had to go rogue, baby. Um, go watch Tremors, though. Yeah, check it out. Because I know a lot of people who haven't either haven't seen it or they haven't seen it since they were a kid. It's worth revisiting. Yeah. No, it's still... It looks really good, too. We talked about that. Mm-hmm. It doesn't look like a 90s movie. Yeah. Yeah, we talked about that, how... Because we, because uh, this same year, Kevin Bacon was both in this and Flatliners, and Flatliners feels so dated. This movie doesn't. No, I think it's that thing of when you have something that's in a, a kind of a rustic small town that already is, feels out of time. Well, it stays that way. So then, therefore, you're, you're right. I feel like I would go to this town today, and they it would still all look still this look way. The same, yeah, absolutely, exactly. And I, I, that weirdly, even though kind of makes it timeless, it kind of gives it this evergreen feel to it, even though it feels old timey just from jump. I, there's a weird, there's a weird effect that has on you. Yeah, you know what I mean. But it works good. I mean, that's again, it makes it this movie right. stand up. Yeah, it, it, it's really good. It's really effective filmmaking. All the little tricks they do, the little simple stuff they do. And then, like, uh, like the scene when the tra- the graboid, excuse me, bursts into the Gummer's basement. That scene honestly has it's kind of a mini little masterclass of simple filmmaking effects. Because there's a lot of stuff you don't notice. Because I mean, first off, that pan when it it reveals the wall of guns, just so, how such an amazing how doom preppers they are. Such an amazing fucking reveal. The arsenal in that basement is amazing. But that movie has a mix of miniatures. And like whip pan and uh, hidden edits that you don't realize are there because okay. they're hidden. Is that how do they do some of the wall bursting stuff? That, well, so the initial like when it's when they're next to the big model, they have a big model of the of the graboid. Okay, but they had to do like I think it was like a, a half scale or quarter scale version of it to do like where it would raise up to hit the ceiling. Oh and stuff. yeah 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 yeah. So that's a smaller version, and you can't tell. You can't tell. There's only one scene where Bert is shooting at it, and they do like an awkward. A rear projection shot or like composite shot where it's like he's in front of it and you can tell it's I did notice that was CGI. That's the or only, green screen, I guess. Yeah, oh, that, yeah, yeah. That's the only shot that doesn't quite work. But there's a moment where he's when he throws a gun down to grab a new one, but he throws it down the the camera pans down to the gun and then quick whip pans up and it's up to the full or up to the miniature Back. version. Okay. But you don't realize that because it, it, it looks like it's the full-size version because then it pushes in. But that that pan between the gun, there's a quick, if you pause at a certain moment, there's a moment where the gun switches to a miniature gun. Oh. And then it pans up to the miniature tremor. Well, they cut it in. well because I they cut it really well. I couldn't notice. That was something I didn't notice until I, I watched a video about it. And then mm. I was like, oh, holy shit. Because you can it's it's a it's a second. Like the second the gun hits the ground, it turns to a miniature and then the camera pans back up. It's hidden so well. But and then they do again these, the the techniques yeah. they use in this movie they really like pulled all the tricks out of the book and yeah they killed it it's, that's it's one of the things that's going away a little bit with CGI and I'm not a person who's like CGI is all bad like, you can use it effectively but you have to use it smartly yeah you know what I mean you have to you have to be choosy with how you use kind of sparingly in the right moments a, a, little, a little bit, bit a little bit or you you at it's least, getting better today where you can yes. get away with a lot more you at least have to know how it's going to read and how it's going to affect the audience especially too, since it's just getting better you're getting less of that awkward kind of uncanny valley but there still are terrible examples that came out very recently as in justice league i want to bring up mm. that is some fucking horrendous cgi i mean just him where they cg out the mustache just lips don't move that way <laughs> which doesn't <laughs> that blow your mind coming from 
that studio. A major film. I know it's it is baffling sometimes where you watch a, a movie that had so much money behind it, and you're like, and I think how? that comes down to the decision making. Well, decision making usually how ru- they shoot it, rushing things because with Justice League particularly, where they they altered that movie a lot. Right well, I know it came yeah, out. They had to shut down and. Joss took over and yeah. Well, yeah. Well, because they yeah they because they wanted the movie to reflect a Marvel movie more, so they're like let's, and that's why the movie kind of looks stupid too because they got rid of all the darkness that Snyder likes. Well, so the Batman costume looks kind of dumb, well lit. You know what I mean? It's supposed right. it's supposed to be shadowy. Um, also, they were just trying to do the MCU thing. That sorry, MC, Marvel already did it. Do your own thing. Yeah. <laughs> don't don't do this. But anyway, anyway, that's yeah, a yeah. whole. Completely that, that different could be, tangent. That could be a separate that, podcast. Fuck. <laughs> well, shit, man. I, I think I think we, I feel good. You feel good? I feel good. I, I think, think we, we kind of covered what we wanted to. It was a little, little tighter, a little little different. It was a nice break for for us. It was. I, I enjoyed this. watching a good movie. I enjoyed watching this movie, especially from a new perspective. Yeah. Again, thank you. It was fun watching it together. Which yeah. Again, we haven't really got to do. Uh, but mainly, it was just it was just nice to genuinely enjoy. And. No research. I just got to sit back. Yeah, I haven't enjoyed a movie all month since Jaws. Really? I mean, Deep Blue Sea I love, but it's I haven't, you know, the best we had since then was Mission of the Shark, where we're just like, well, it didn't suck. Didn't suck total shit. And then we were more just fascinated by the the real story. So this this is a nice little vacation. So you know what? That's why I'm okay drinking this Margaritaville. You know, it's fine. Yes, I'm I'm laying back. I'm kicking my feet up. Yeah. (laughs) Just let I'm the, dipping my toes in the sand, yep, brother. There we go. That's what we're doing when we watch Tremors. But get them out of there because they're in the sand. Don't make so much noise, motherfucker. Yeah. You're right. Sorry. Yeah, because we're, okay. we're in a basement. Yeah, Fuck. we're fucked. I don't see any guns anywhere. I have, I have none down here. Oh, no. Well, you've doomed us. Thank you. Yep. Goodbye, everyone. Sorry. Well, I'll tell you. Nobody handles garbage better than we do.